What drives our human behavior can be found within the outside pressures, expectations, and stories that we've experienced in our lives. Today, our guest helps us unpack these stories to live a more fulfilled and aligned life. Trapped by the belief that I'm not good enough, bound by the limitations and the lies that consumed my world, this was me. It wasn't until I took the biggest leap in my life to know and trust the power within. And it was at that moment I made a choice. My past will not define me anymore. Hello, I am Terry Carnzula, and I know I am not alone in this. Over the years, I have found that the number one mistake that we make is that we get in the way of our own success story. Yes, I said it. On this show, together we'll tackle limiting beliefs, self-sabotage, getting stuck, fear, doubt, overwhelm, and the imposter syndrome. Join us on this journey designed to transport you beyond your limitations to a world where anything is possible. This is Talking with Terry. Hello, and welcome back to Talking with Terry, the podcast where we have powerful conversations to transform your life and your business. And our guest, I can't wait to jump in today. She sounds so delightful. This is Kira Wackett. She's a licensed mental health therapist. And I love that she focuses on the anti-Band-Aid approach. So this is going to be juicy. I can just tell. Welcome, Kira. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I know. Okay. So first hurdle is over. I got your name pronounced correctly. We're in in a good space. (laughs) It's downhill from here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about you and like, you know, what's been your personal journey. And and I'd love to hear the kind of like the biggest challenge or, you know, struggle that you've had to overcome to get to where you're at today. Yeah. I think I still marvel at how that one question that we're so used to answering can feel like it stops you in your tracks. Cause you're like, what? what sits with me today? Who am I? What's the answer? And so, yeah, well, and I, I think would, the answer is always ever changing, right? Of course. We always are getting new perspective as we're moving through. And it's like something that wasn't, it was a big deal becomes a yes. little, and it's like, yeah. well, now we've, we've given new meaning and I'm talking to the therapist, right? right. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's that piece of allowing it to evolve into ebb and flow. So maybe that's our first little ticket yeah. of advice for people yeah. is thinking about how fluidity is so beneficial and allowing ourselves to do that. I think today I am a person really on a journey to living my most authentic life. And so really my pursuit as a professional, but also just in my own work is on shame resilience and understanding what shame resilience looks like and how I live. And I think I'm kind of embodying that right now or being tasked within that as a mom, I, we just bought a house a few months ago. So a homeowner, a business owner, and I think a lot of fluctuating relationships, me as a daughter, me as a friend, there's so many ways that I think it's showing up for me. And I think to your second part of the question of what hurdles have I faced? How did I get to this point? I was a person that grew up with a lot of complex trauma I think in that a lot of people listening, whether you experienced trauma or you didn't, we all have stories that were developed when we were kids about who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to show up, what success looks like, what our path is supposed to be. And I think that experience of those stories created in me this idea that my job is to be perfect and to succeed in a very specific way. And so I was, I'm going to be a doctor. I went all the way through 
undergrad, taking all the courses, prerequisites, taking the MCAT, applying to med schools, interviewing for med school, going through this whole process. And so much of that as I got older was rooted to you're supposed to be at a level of success that is above everyone around you, not because you think you're better than everyone around you, but because it's the only way you can be in the room. You have to achieve at a higher level. You have to have better grades. You have to look better, act better, do all the things so you can be allowed entry into this world, this room, whatever it is. And so I was on that train for a very long time. I really was trying to force myself into the box when mm-hmm. I was graduated from college doing med school interviews, my cousin, who was two weeks younger than me, was killed. And it was this moment for me of what am I doing? The train I'm on seems to be really rooted to getting to some finite point where then I'm going to be able to enjoy my life, but I'm hating it right now. And it was kind of an invitation to reflect. And that sort of took me on about kind of short story about a seven year exploration process around what do I like? Who am I asking myself for the first time? What do I value? Who am I when I'm not performing for everyone else? And I think that really became the biggest hurdle to identify. And then to move over was recognizing the difference between performing versus embodying and living. And what does Mm -hmm. that look like? And that showed up in ways as What's the difference between being a learner versus being a performer? I know how to get an A on everything. That doesn't mean I'm learning. That doesn't mean I'm failing upward and growing and experimenting. When I then kind of pursued my entrepreneurial career, so I ended up going to get my master's, became a licensed mental health therapist, realizing again, I don't want to perform for someone else. I don't want to get stuck in some of these things. I love the work I'm doing, but I haven't found my voice in it yet. And so it was again, coming back to what's performing, what's the path that's laid out for us versus the path that's most, most authentic to me. And I would say coming full circle back to who am I, how am I showing up today? I think that's still the biggest hurdle is what does that mean to be the mom that I'm excited about being versus the mom we're sold as the best mom to be? What does that look like to be a business owner that is excited every single time I turn my computer on versus dreading that versus feeling pulled in a million directions? And so that's really, I think, and it's a continuum. I'll feel that way for the rest of my life. But I think that is the biggest hurdle is really recentering on how much of it is externally driven and how much are we being pulled to be a certain way because we're afraid we won't be accepted otherwise. And when I can release that and move through that, who's the me that exists underneath. That's beautiful. And I, and I'm going through this interesting, like literally that it's always, I always think it's divinely guided how we're having this conversation and literally in three hours, approximately three hours from now, I'm having this all staff meeting with my staff on my other company to have this conversation right now, Mm. because I do feel that I'm being pulled in all directions and I feel out of alignment. And I'm like, okay, we're, we're wrapping this back up. Like I was fine, fine, fine. And then it started to unravel and I'm like, okay, I got to recenter and I got to, got to bring it back in together because I'm feeling out of whack right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we've, we've got to reevaluate this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important to, you know, come from that place of like, you know, th- what obviously the place of awareness, right. I think that's the most important, right. Because if we don't know that is we're just, we're just spinning our cycle. Right. And we don't necessarily have awareness of like, oh, there's, there is something to this. 
And there is all this outside pressures, right? There are these expectations of behavior, these expectations of how we're supposed to be or and, and like, I love that, that visual that you talked about of like putting yourself in the box. Like I'm fighting that, you know, being put in this box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do agree with you. Like, you know, that's a beautiful place to be in. And I, you speak so eloquently about this. Like, you know, again, like as we are here to grow and evolve, so does, you know, our journey and our path mm-hmm. and our relationships and everything else that gets um, connected to this. So you know, what would you say has been, I don't know, maybe your greatest lesson so far? I think, you know, even as you were talking, the the words that kept kind of buzzing in the back of my head were scope creep and normalized dysfunction. And I think a lot <laughs> about how, you know, when somebody, so I work in, in the therapy world, I specialized in eating disorders and trauma. So I was very specifically working on a lot of people are coming, how do I manage these behaviors? And the conversation was, it's about more than just the behavior that we're doing. It's about more than just this piece. And now really, as I shifted gears and moved into the coaching world, it's the same conversation just through different storylines. And so, so much of what it is, is you, everyone has the skills and tools to set a boundary right now to make a change in this moment. The problem isn't the initial execution. It's the scope creep and the slow sort of distancing that we have from the boundaries we need to have, the behaviors we want to set. Everybody can have a goal for a day. What's the long-term plan when life shows up and how do we integrate that? And so I think Mm -hmm. a lot about how, again, the normalized dysfunction, how we sort of create a world where we tolerate just a little bit more distress. We take on just, oh, it's just this one small thing. And we, we keep expanding. And ultimately that's rooted to the belief that it's our job to handle it all, to be able to say yes to everything, to do it all. Because if we can't, we're going to be found out. There's sort of an imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome guiding that. And so I think for me, it's a lot of realizing I am never going to rid myself of that storyline completely. That means when I set boundaries, standards, expectations, there was a point in my company where before I actually made it adversity rising and I separated it out from an art company and other things I was doing where this person was very compassionately blunt and in my face, like, I don't understand what you do. You do too much. You're offering so many different things. Why are you saying yes to so many projects? And in my head, they all tied back to the same point, but it was this notion of I'm trying to solve a problem for everyone instead of getting really good at solving the problems that I'm good at and staying in that lane. And so I think it's again, recognizing that knowing what I can do, knowing what the boundaries need to be to keep me healthy, to support my values, purpose, the way I want to show up for other people. And how do I need to more diligently attune that and, and with more frequency and regularity to say, oh gosh, I'm doing it again. And so I'm, you know, coming back in when it's, I'm 5% expanded versus waiting until we reach that point where we burn out. And then we're resentful, we're mean, we're angry, we shut down, and then we just kind of come back up and then we do it all over again. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I think too, is like, you know, how do we get out of the cycle, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, Because it is a cycle that we get ourselves in. It is based on those previous beliefs. It's, it's based on those previous, you know, programming and it is so enriched and it's, I mean, so in, in uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, ingrained, right? It's so ingrained in us because not only have we 
we lived it. Now we, mm-hmm. our brains are reinforcing it. And oftentimes that self-fulfilling prophecy is popping in there and we're actually recreating it over and over and over again. Right. So what do you, what, what is, um, what's some of your hacks on, you know, you know, getting out of the cycle and slowing that process down? Yeah. So I think there was a, I think it was in the sixties when it became a model that was talked about in interpersonal connection dynamics, but it's called the drama triangle. And it talks about these three roles that people will play in different relationships. And I really took that and internalized that to think about what happens when we're experiencing shame. So shame is ultimately the belief and the fear that we're not worthy of love and connection. And that is the pervasive thing. It's like glitter in our bodies that touches everything and kind of shifts the way we show up. And so when we're experiencing shame, we assume these three roles, hero, victim, and villain. Hero is not that I think I'm better than everyone. It's I have to do everything for everyone. I'm supposed to be the one that can handle it all. This is my job. This is how I have to be. Other people's terms have used human giver or, you know, a boundaryless person, a needless, wantless person. But this idea is I've got to do it all for everybody else. I can handle it. And there's a certain degree of the ego that's activated in there. The villain is the belief that anytime something goes wrong, we sh- we're the problem. We should have been able to anticipate it. We should be able to fix it. It's on us to make everybody else feel better. And then the victim is the part that happens when we describe that sort of slow leak. And then we burn out, we get resentful and we sort of crash on everyone. Nobody helps out. Nobody thinks about me. Why does, why does this always happen? And so part of, I think, the work is to recognize how you got into the triangle in the first place and how, even though we can say it's maladaptive, it's unhelpful, there's some part of you that's comfortable there. So I think the first part is just reflecting on it. Where do I take on these roles? Why did I need to in past parts of my life? It could be going all the way back to being a kid. It could be early corporate experiences. It could be as you started as a business owner, the stories, the expectations, think about your intersecting identities. How much pressure do we put on ourselves as cisgender women, trans folks that are just constantly in a position where they have to act and be a certain way in order to be accepted. If we're thinking about all the stories, the identities that could be stacked against us. And then I think the second part is to start to ask yourself, what of any of this is in my control? Because what we see when we're in the triangle is we're rooted to trying to control immovable objects. We can't control the fact that our to-do list is always going to have more things added on it. That's existing. That's living. We can't control what somebody else thinks of us. We can't control when they're going to ask us to erode a boundary. That's their right. They have every right to ask us whatever they want. We can control our response. We can control the stories that we have. And so I think really getting to that place of radical acceptance, what can we control? What can't we control? And how do we start to exist really anchoring ourselves on using skills to tolerate the distress around taking the reins of what we can? Because that means disappointing people. That means saying no. That means assuming a responsibility that feels easier to say we don't have and we can't control because as much as we hate it, we're predictably in a place of discomfort. We at least know how to do that. This feels scary to control these things, to assume this because what's on the other side? What if I fail? What if someone judges me? It's too much. So I think that's really kind of the second part. And as you go through that, I think there's so many layers that reveal themselves of kind of personal work, but that's where I would start. How did I get here? 
what is it that, how did it serve me? How is it no longer serving me? And what's my relationship with control and how is it connecting into the triangle? Yeah. And that's, that's powerful. And when you say, you know, what, what is it, if anything, can I control? What is it control? Because I oftentimes, that is the biggest challenge is that most of this is not within Mm -hmm. our control. And yet we are just, you know, beating ourselves up, you know, destroying relationships, trying to, um, do something that's, that's fairly impossible to mm-hmm. control it. But, but yet at the same time, it's like, how can we, like you said, you know, how do we show up? Mm-hmm. Um, and being, I just had this conversation just right before this call is, you know, the ownership is back up on us of how mm-hmm. we respond and how we react and how are we showing up and being really intentional about that, right? you know, because I think that is within our control of how are we experiencing this? And earlier we were talking about, you know, life can get messy and, and life doesn't, mm-hmm. life will continue to be messy, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, you know, how do we, we work with the messy without having to derail us? And right. I think that's always kind of a, you know, always evolving, right? you know, element to our life path, right? Well, and I think a big part of it is getting to the place where we can feel rooted and solid enough in ourselves that when those ebbs and flows happen, we, there's these really beautiful books, my daughter's three and a half, and they're called the little spot books. So if anybody has kids, oh, I yeah, highly I recommend you get them. They're fantastic. Yeah. And so there's this one that talks about flexible thinking and it talks about the difference between a rigid oak tree and a palm tree and how a palm tree is designed to go, I think it's like up to 50 degrees bending before anything wow. happens. Yeah. It tolerates these big changes, but the roots are there. And so it's this idea of, I think for so many of us, it feels like it's zero or a hundred. Yeah. I've had no boundaries. I haven't done anything now. Here it is. And I'm yeah. cra- it has to be this way. And it's realizing yeah, yeah. how we show up is constantly changing and evolving, mm-hmm. but it's the central point of who am I? What do I value? Who's the person I'm excited to meet every day. And I'm mm-hmm. proud of every night when I go to bed and how do I embody that in the way I show up and really starting to shift out of that notion. You know, I think about, again, using my daughter as an example, I can't, even though I'm a therapist, even though I've worked with kids, even though I know child development, I cannot prevent her from having a tantrum. I cannot prevent her from sometimes just being a jerk. That is just what it means to be three and a half. She'll do it again when she's 10 and a half, when she's 18, like that's existing. I can control how I react to that. I can control the shame I take on and the responsibility I take on for that. There might be something I could change and shift, but show up to that interaction with curiosity. What what did I learn? How could I show up differently next time? Instead of being like, I'm a bad mom. This is how I reacted. I shouldn't have done that. This keeps happening. She's a bad kid. These stories that start to come in and then it translates. I had it with a proposal that went out for a company to do a speaking event. And they came back to me and they said, this is higher than what we budgeted for. Is there any chance that you would lower your fee? I thought about it for like two or three days because I've worked really hard to get to the place where I know my worth and value. I know what I bring to the table and I have undersold myself not even just financially, but we know yeah. for many entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, that's one of the hardest parts, charging yeah. what we're worth. Yeah. And so I thought, gosh, I could, you know, I could take a little bit off. I could do this. And I just sat with, what if I didn't? What's the worst that would happen? Yeah. And it's the initial point is, okay, well, you're out that money. You don't get that opportunity. Yeah. 
And then you go, okay, well, what does that mean? And then you kind of go through, okay, all the negatives, all the pros to that. And then on the flip side, what's the worst that would happen if you did lower your fee and you, I guess now I'm not remembering which one I went with, but if you lower your fee versus if you didn't, and then you got turned down and they said no. And the idea ultimately being, if I lower my fee, the negative effects are bigger. The domino is bigger because I've reinforced that I was never worth that to begin with. And so instead it's saying, I cannot control the fact that they asked me to lower my rate. That's out of my control. I can't control the fact that they have a budget. I can't control the fact that they may or may not pick me, but I can control my ability, my response here to say, I really appreciate that budgets are something we have to be considering and kind of making sense of. I also know the scope of this work matches what I'm charging. And so I really look forward to the opportunity to work together. I also understand it might not be feasible. And if we're going to stick with this scope of project, this is what the fee is going to be. And the interesting thing is they came back and said, we got it approved. That won't happen every time, but how many times are we taking those opportunities off the table because of because that. Of the so stories. Yeah, exactly. Because of, because of the stories. And yeah, absolutely. And we reinforce it. And just from, a, I always come from like an energetic perspective as well. And so again, the, from an energetic perspective, we're just right. lowering the vibration. And so like, again, like staying with those boundaries. And again, like I, I like to invite people to play with the possibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if you did get a no, Right. Okay. What if that no was one of the things that opened up a door to something else? Exactly. And I always will look at is like, okay, it didn't work out for whatever reason. And like most of the time, and it's not instant, like sometimes it's years. There's a situation that literally just resurfaced. It's been three and a half years. They were just in my office yesterday. And I was like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. this opportunity came up out of something that was mm-hmm. a little questionable, but now this huge opportunity is coming up. Right. Um, you know, and so again, it's, it's, you know, when you talk about having that, that flexibility, right. And that, like that palm tree, you know, being flexible in the moment and being in flow with it. Cause I do think that, and I came from a place of perfectionism as well. Like mm-hmm. I had to prove myself, I had to prove myself. Um, and, um, I think once I learned like that to like soften the rigidity and just Mm -hmm. be in the flow of things. And now even, you know, yes, I have targets that I'm, you know, you know, going towards, but I'm also allowing for life to open up other doors that I may not, and I may or may not get to that initial target, which I know for some people that's like, right. but I realize that life is, you know, you know, when we're, we can stay in that flow and be mm-hmm. in that re- receptivity of what is being offered. It's just, it's a beautiful place, but, but first we gotta, we gotta work on, you know, that shame or that guilt, right. or that you know, sadness or hurt or whatever, but staying true to yourself. And I think this ties back into what you were saying. It's like, when I'm authentically me showing up, mm-hmm. we're a powerful force to be reckoned with. Right. Well, and people see that because I think the point that I got to with that question of, can you lower your fee was what would be the driving emotion and cognition if I said yes, or if I said no, 
And when I go back to those questions of rooting and really rooting to yourself and knowing yourself and that idea of who am I proud of at the end of the day and excited to be with the next morning, Mm -hmm. it is a person that is confident enough in their worth to know that I want to be in the room and I deserve to be in the room, but I don't have to be in every room. And it also doesn't even mean if they said, no, it had anything to do with me. It might purely be a numbers game. And I've seen this for people before I've worked in nonprofits. Sometimes it was a no because we didn't, we couldn't afford somebody's cost, but now we know their cost and we budgeted for it for the next event and we still wanted to go with them. And so it's really thinking about our integrity with ourselves and our values. And then I think- coming out of that space of recognizing we're so afraid of rejection. So in that case, the no, the not getting the opportunity, but we're also so afraid of looking too confident of not being grateful, of not seizing every opportunity. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to be busting your butt to get to where you want to go. If you're not reaching your goals and you're saying no to something, well, what does that say about you? Instead of saying, no, again, going back to scope creep, I'm not going to say yes to every opportunity or amend my terms to make every opportunity work because I might hit those goals, but I am going to burn out because I'm no longer the person that I want to be and embodying the belief in myself that is going to allow me to get there and then stay there. Yeah, absolutely. But what a perfect timing, because as I'm going into this all staff meeting today, (laughs) we're having some moving conversations here. Uh, This has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for just showing up and being you and being a guiding light for so many other people. So where can people connect with you at? Yeah, I would say the best thing to do is just to visit my website. So adversityrising.com. You'll find links there to my podcast that's going to be launching in the next few months, my YouTube page, all of the different programs, blogs, things that I do. It's also a great way to just connect with me, send an email, get on my email list, whatever works for you. But I would say one-stop shop, adversityrising.com, and you should find everything you need from there. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be connected with you and I look forward to staying in touch. Sounds great. Thank you. I am so grateful that you joined us for this episode. If you've enjoyed this, then I invite you to connect further with me at talkingwithterry, that's T-E-R-I.com. We covered a lot of ground today in this conversation. I invite you to notice, where are you in the drama triangle? Hero, villain, or victim? We have the power to choose how we show up and how we respond. Stay tuned in. We have a very unique event called Breaking Beyond taking place. It combines a live event, TED Talk, and Oprah with an all-star lineup. Don't miss it. Follow to learn more.